John Cannon and the Congregation of Victory Church welcome you to this message from the Word of God. It is our heartfelt desire to see you grow closer to the Lord and to help you become all that He has created you to be. Our prayer is that through this ministry you would come to know Him in a greater way and that these teachings from Scripture would better equip you to fulfill His plan in your life. Now, let's join Pastor John as we study the Word together. If you have your Bibles, open them up to the book of Jude, and I don't know how many may or may not be familiar uh, with the book of Jude, but I want to start a mini-series, um, a series of sermons out of this book, and you may say, well, Pastor, there's only 25 verses. Really, you're going to preach for a, a series of messages out of these 25 verses? I promise you, you could stay in the book of Jude for six months and not unpack everything that's here. It's reference, um, there's references all through the Bible uh, from Jude. Uh, whenever I study the book of Jude, it reminds me of standing in the vestibule, sort of stand, like standing in the, the vestibule of our church. And we come in the front set of doors, and there's a beautiful chandelier, and then there's glass all around, and we can kind of look around and get a view of, of the inside of the church. The book of Jude is almost like that. Actually, it is the vestibule. It's called the vestibule of, of the book of Revelation. And it really goes hand in hand. Matter of fact, the, the book of Jude is a very interesting book for us to even be studying here in this day and age because the book of Jude is the only book in the entire Bible that deals 100% with apostasy. It deals with those that are falling from the faith, those that are turning from God, those that are rejecting the gospel of Jesus Christ. And I'm going to talk about this more in just a moment, but Jude wanted to write about the common salvation, the wonderful salvation that we all share. But in verse number 3, he says, we must contend for the faith. And he turns the rest of the letter and just really talks about the, the end times of the church age and what it's coming down to and what it's looking, uh, and, and of course, what's coming in the future. And, of course, we know the rest of it's carried out in the book of Revelation. Uh, some folks, we look around in our day and age today, and, uh, you know, I, I shared with you the other week, I think it was last Wednesday evening, I shared with you that when you study eschatology, which is the doctrine of last things, and you go and you study the book of Revelation, which you cannot study the book of Revelation without simultaneously studying the book of Daniel. When you pull these two prophecies together, you will discover that there is no Western superpower. In other words, there is no United States of America as we know it now as far as a superpower. You'll find that there are ten kings and ten nations that come together and they'll make some major decisions in the end days. I'm not going to go there with all of that. But just prior to that taking place. Matter of fact, I love the book of Revelation. I've studied it often. I did a 65 sermon series through the entire book, verse by verse. It took me about three years to do that on a Wednesday evening here at Victory years ago. And we have that available for you. Pat actually pulled that out of the archives. And we're making that available for those that would like to have that. But whenever we look around in our day, there are some signs, there's some things that point towards the end times. And I, I really believe with all of my heart that we're living in those days. And as we look into the book of Jude, we're going to discover that this is, a, is, is the vestibule. It's really, it, there's really a tremendous amount of prophecy about the end 
times or the end of the age. And whenever I'm talking about the end times, I'm talking about the end of the church time. Uh, there's a um, whenever you go and you study prophecy as well in Revelation and Daniel, there's a there's a portion of that that you do not see, and and that's the church age. It's this two thousand years of grace that God has given us to get into a right relationship with Him. But the book of Revel- the book of Jude really unpacks, starts to unpack a lot of that. And so tonight, I just want to give us a a panoramic view. Through the book of Jude, 25 verses, but I promise you, I think I could probably preach a year on these 25 verses. Matter of fact, whenever we really start digging into it, I'm not going to get out of verse number one. Whenever we talk about Jude and who he was, and we talk about him being a slave of the Lord Jesus Christ, a brother to James, there's, there's a tremendous amount of history that's there. And if we're going to comprehend what this letter is about, then we must do our hermeneutics. We must do our in-depth study and discover what is behind the letter, what's taking place in this epistle, in this letter that Jude is writing. But tonight, we're just going to do an introduction. And then I hope you'll come back every Wednesday night from, I don't know how long I'm going to be in the book of Jude. 25 verses, I don't know how long I'll be there. I know at least I'll be five or six sermons in this at minimum. So anyhow, I want you to come back and I want you to bring your Bibles. I want you to bring your pencils. I want you to open your minds. I want you to get ready. Uh, we're going to really dig in here. We're going to turn to a lot of references. We're going to look at a lot of different scripture. We're going to tie a lot of things together. And we're going to see a lot of what Jude is wanting us to see. And I think it's appropriate for us as we're in the end of the church age. Uh, matter of fact, um, whenever people talks about or talk about how we're in the end times, and you always ask the question, or I do, when did the end times begin? When did the end times begin? Did it begin in the year 2000 at Y2K? No, no, no. Did, did the end times begin in 1964? That was a great year, by the way. For those that don't know, that's the year I was born. Wonderful year, 1964. But the end times didn't begin then. When did the end? The 1800s had to begin there. You know when the end times began? The end times began on the day of Pentecost. In Acts chapter 2. That's the end times. That's the last dispensation. And I won't get into the different dispensations, but you realize there's different time frames. There's different dispensations in all of church history. And whenever we study eschatology, which is the doctrine of last things, you've got to have a good understanding of your dispensation or you'll get very confused. So we're going to glean tonight. We're going to take a panoramic view. I love the new update on the iPhones, the iOS, whatever this update is, 6, 7, whatever it is, 5, I don't know. But on the camera mode, have you seen that? Where you can just, you can do this panoramic shot on the camera mode on the iPhone. You guys familiar, familiar with that? You know, you push the button here and you just start. And if you go too fast, it'll tell you to slow down. If you go higher or lower, it'll tell you, well, get back up on the line and keep going around. And you can spin that thing all the way around 360 degrees. And then you push done. And it gives you this panoramic picture of everything that's surrounding you. Now, the sad thing about it is, if you're the one taking the picture, you'll go all the way around in a circle just like this, and guess who is not in the picture? You, right? So, Kristen, my daughter, discovered how to be in the picture. 
She held her iPhone and she did it just like this and she turned it around as far as she wanted to go and then she stopped right there and then she turned the camera around and she's the last frame of the picture. I thought that's pretty cool. That's a way to be creative right there. So anyhow, that's what we're going to do tonight. As we think about the book of Jude tonight and we look into the scripture, I just want to do a panoramic view to give us a little bit of insight before we really dig in verse by verse and start getting a lot deeper in these 25 verses or so. So look, if you will, in the book of Jude, and let's just go to the Lord in prayer, and then I just want to jump in here and just survey this this book a little bit this evening. Father, we love you, and we're so thankful that you're alive, and you're well, and you're on the throne, and you're in control, and you're sovereign, and there's nothing that catches you by surprise. God, you're God. You created everything. You've got a tremendous master plan. God, I believe it's going just the way you would have it to go. And I believe, God, it's going the way that you knew it would go because you're omniscient, you're all-knowing. And there's tremendous peace whenever we can step back from our current situations and things that may bring us anxiety and fear and concern and worry and fret. We can step back and we can look to you, the author, the finisher of our faith, the Alpha, the Omega, the beginning, the end, the great I Am. Your God. And it's there, God, that we find our peace and our comfort and our strength and our security. And you're the source of everything. And Father, we love you and we thank you for this wonderful plan of salvation that you have put in place. Jesus, we thank you for being willing to come and leave your throne and clothe yourself in humanity and come to this earth and suffer the torment of Satan and his followers and crucifying you and putting you on the cross and beating you and spitting in your face and plucking your beard. And the scripture teaches us that when you were hanging there on the cross dying, that your body was so marred and they couldn't even tell it was a man there. Thank you for dying for us. Thank you that you fulfilled every prophecy that was prophesied about your coming, about your death, and even about your resurrection. Thank you for resurrection morning. There's the victory. God, we thank you for that. I pray, dear Lord, now as we start talking about some of the end times, if you will, as we start talking about some of these end of the age signs and things that take place. I pray, dear God, that it doesn't create worry and anxiety and fear and fret in our hearts. I pray, dear God, that it creates hope because what an exciting season we're living in. When we look around and we see things unfolding and things that we have heard preached, I remember sitting in in eschatology classes and my professors teaching on this years ago and wondering how any of that would ever come to pass. And, and now here we are in 2012 and it's not hard to comprehend anymore. It's not hard to see how we can get to a place where there's one world government, where there's one world currency, where there's one world religion. This world is so small today because of technology and it's 
it's pretty easy to see how some of these things can come to pass today. Father, my prayer is that this would not cause us anxiety and fear. May this create hope and excitement, especially in the children of God, those that know you, those that you know, those that have an intimate relationship with you. God, if people are just religious and going through the motions, they have every reason in the world to be fearful. But for those that know you as Abba, Father, for those that have a relationship with you, there's no reason to fear. These are exciting days. Speak to our hearts now and open our mind and our ears and give us understanding and lead and guide and direct me as I have studied and prepared and poured so much just into this introduction. I pray, dear Lord, that you would just use me tonight and give me clarity of thought and bring things back to my remembrance and help me to unpack and share what you would have me to unpack and share this evening. And may you get the glory and the honor for everything that we do. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. For those that may not be familiar with the book of Jude, I guess we just need to read it. You say, you're going to read the whole book? Yeah, I'm going to read the whole book to you tonight. It's just 25 verses. It's not going to take me long to get through it. But I think we need to have an understanding. Really, before we can even really get a panoramic view, we need to read it. When's maybe the last time you've read the book of Jude? I mean, it's not one of those books you really just jump into and read for daily encouragement. It's not like a psalm or a proverb, or it's not like the book of Acts, which is one of my favorite books in in the New Testament. It it really is a a book that causes you to scratch your head a little bit and sometimes be a little bit perplexed. So let's read it. Jude 1. Not chapter 1, verse 1, just Jude 1. Okay? It's different. All right? Here we go. Jude a slave of Jesus Christ and a brother of James, to those who are called, loved by God the Father, and kept. Man, I like that. There's a whole message in that little phrase, and are kept by Jesus Christ. May mercy, peace, and love be multiplied to you. Dear friends, although I was eager to write you about the salvation we share I found it necessary to write and exhort. That's an interesting word. I'll come back and unpack that one in just a moment. I found it necessary to write and exhort you to do what? To contend for the faith that was delivered to the saints once for all. For some men who were designated for this judgment long ago have come in by stealth. They are ungodly turning the grace of our God into promiscuity and denying Jesus Christ, our only Master and Lord. Now, I remind you, now Jude's going to go back and unpack a little bit, a lot, of the Old Testament. Now, I remind you, though you know all these things, the Lord first saved a people out of Egypt and later destroyed those who did not believe. And he has kept, get this now, And he has kept, in parentheses, with eternal change in darkness for the judgment of the great day, the angels who did not keep their own position but deserted their proper dwelling. Interesting. In the same way, Sodom and Gomorrah and the cities around them committed sexual immorality and practiced perversions just as the angels did. And serve as an example by undergoing the punishment of eternal fire. Nevertheless, 
These dreamers, likewise, defile their flesh. They reject authority and they blaspheme glorious ones. You know, as you read this, it's almost like reading tomorrow morning's newspaper, isn't it? Right? You look around, you look at our culture today, you look at our society today, you look at our world today, and wow, this is pretty up-to-date stuff. These dreamers, likewise, defile the flesh. In verse 8, they reject authority. They blaspheme glorious ones. Yet Michael, the archangel, when he was disputing with the devil in a debate about Moses' body, really? Did you know that was in there? You remember this past Sunday when I shared with you how if God could raise the, the veil from our eyes and allow us to see the battle that's taking place in the heavenlies with the angels of God and the demons of Satan, how it would probably scare us to death if we saw that. Guys, there is a battle that's taking place in the heavenlies. And here Michael was in a battle. That's not tonight's sermon. We'll get to that. Maybe in a couple months. That's way on down through there. Yet Michael the archangel, when he was disputing with the devil in a debate about Moses' body, did not dare bring an abusive condemnation against him, but said, The Lord rebuke you. That's a bold statement. I can't wait till I can unpack that for you. But these people blaspheme anything they don't understand. Sounds like our world, doesn't it? What they know by instinct, like unreasoning animals, they destroy themselves with these things. Woe to them, verse 11, for they have traveled in the way of Cain. Interesting. Have abandoned themselves to the heir of Balaam for profit and have perished in Korah's rebellion. Mm. We'll unpack all of that. Verse 12. These are the ones who like dangerous reefs at your love feast. They feast with you, nurturing only themselves without fear. You think we live in a self-absorbed world today? It's really nothing new. Hello? Hello? Nurturing only themselves without fear. They are waterless clouds carried along by winds. Trees in late autumn, fruitless, twice dead, pulled out by the roots. Wild waves of the sea foaming up their shameful deeds. Wandering stars for whom the blackness of the darkness is reserved forever. What is that talking about? It's talking about false prophets. It's talking about false teachings. It's talking about those that are waterless clouds. They'll promise you the moon, but they have no substance. Woo! This is good stuff. Man, this is good stuff. And then there's Enoch in verse 14. In the seventh generation from Adam prophesied about them. Look! The Lord comes with thousands of His holy ones to execute judgment on all to convict them of all their ungodly acts that they have done in an ungodly way and all of the harsh things ungodly sinners have said against Him. Dr. R.G. Lee many years ago preached a message called Payday Someday. It wasn't talking about a candy bar. 
He was talking about the judgment of a holy God when he pours his wrath out on people that mock him and make fun of him and false prophets and false teachers and those that blaspheme him. There is a God in heaven that is taking notes and there will be a judgment one day. Hmm, That's good too. Where am I? Verse 15, 16. These people are discontented grumblers. I'll tell you, whenever I read this, I think, man, I see this at Victory Church. I see discontented grumblers walk around in our congregation all the time. Hello? Walking according to their desires, their mouths, utter arrogant words, flattering people for their own advantage. Hello? Guys, I'm just reading to you the Bible. You know what Judah's telling us? He said, oh, I wanted, to, I wanted to just speak to you about this common salvation. I really just wanted to talk to you about the goodness of our God. I really just wanted to talk to you about Jesus and this wonderful common salvation that we all experience, that we all share. He said, but in the last days, you must contend for the faith because this is what's going to be happening. You see it. In our world today. You see it. In our church. Today. And I'm not being general. I'm not generalizing this thing. You see it in victory. Church. Today. I told brother John Pratt and brother Paul. This past Friday evening. We traveled over to Mount Vernon. For our Free Will Baptist. State executive board meeting. And I told them. I shared with them. I said guys. It's harder to do ministry and to pastor a church today than any day I've ever been living. I've never known it to be as hard as it is today. I shared that with them. Dr. H.B. London and another group in Missouri just called me this past week, not H.B. London, but the group in Missouri, and asked me to come speak to a group of pastors it's a leadership conference that Southern Baptist is putting on in Missouri, and they asked if I would come and speak. And I said, why do you want me to come speak? And they said, it's a leadership conference for pastors, and pastors are leaving the church at a faster rate than ever in our history. They're getting out of the ministry. They're laying down the Bibles. They're quitting pastoring. They're walking away from the churches, and we just need to encourage them. I haven't picked the date yet. It's going to be in February or March, one of those two dates. They're setting it, and they asked if I'd speak. And I don't even know if I really want to go speak because I said, hey, I feel like that. Hello? It's hard. There's oftentimes I wish I was in the Air Force, and I just got to go to work and go home. There's days I wish... That I wasn't a pastor. That I could just go to work, punch a clock, do my work, go home. But I know what God's called me to do. I just want you to know it's hard. Why is it hard? Because we're in those last days. When there's going to be a great falling away. And where the Bible says in verse 16. That there's going to be people that are discontented and grumblers and walking according to their own desires and their mouths utter arrogant words and flattering people for their own advantage. 
I see that. I see that. Everywhere. You see that. Are you all with me? But you, dear friends, here we go. Verse 17. He's putting a medal to the pedal right now. But you, dear friends, remember what was predicted by the apostles of our Lord Jesus Christ. They told you. In the end time there will be scoffers walking according to their own ungodly desires. And these people, they do what? They create divisions and they are unbelievers and they're not having the Spirit. But you, dear friends, as you build yourselves up in your most holy faith and pray in the Holy Spirit, keep yourselves in the love of God. Expecting the mercy of our Lord Jesus Christ for eternal life. Have mercy on those who doubt. Save others by snatching them from the fire. Have mercy on others but with fear. Hating even the garment defiled by the flesh. Now to him who is able to protect you from stumbling. Can we stumble? I believe we can. If we could not, why would he talk about having one that could protect us from that? Hello? It gets into some Arminian-Calvinism differences. Is it possible for us to stumble? I think it is. Now to him who is able to protect you from stumbling and to make you stand in the presence of his glory blameless and with great joy to the only God, our Savior, through Jesus Christ our Lord, be glory and majesty, and power, and authority before all time, now and forever. Amen. I just read it to you. That's an exciting book, is it not? Wow. 25 verses. So deep. So vast. I don't even know that I'll be able to do it justice in trying to unpack it. But we're going to spend... The next however long it takes on Wednesday evenings, journeying through the book of Jude. For those that like an outline, and I kind of do, as I look at a book, I kind of think of it in in a way of an outline to break it down and help dissect it. I guess if you want to break it down, you look at verses 1 and 2 and that's your introduction. And by the way, when the Bible was written, whoever was writing the Bible, they signed it at the beginning instead of the end. So we see that Jude was the one that was writing it. And verses 1 and 2 just simply gives an introduction. Verses 3 and 4, the second part of the outline, is an alarm. For those that may want to write down the outline, it's the alarm in verses 3 and 4. He is sounding the alarm. And then we look in verses 5 through 16, and, and here comes the argument. Here's some of the contrasting views. And then we look in verses 17 through 25, and this is the admonition. So let me try to just kind of, just just this panoramic view. I want you to envision holding your iPhone and pushing the button and putting it on panoramic shot. And and we're just kind of going around, and and we're not digging in deep, and we're we're not going to stop too long. Man, it's already 745. Wow. And we're not going to stop too long and and get in there. We're just going to look around here a little bit and we're just going to glean and give us a little bit better understanding so that we can dig in there a little bit better next week. Okay. So who is the author? The author is Jude. Who is Jude? Look what it says in verse one. Jude, a slave of Jesus Christ and a brother of James. Now, (laughs) I, I really want to unpack 
what that, what that means about a slave of Jesus Christ. I don't have time right now, but we're just talking about a Jew. Who is the author of this book? It's Jude. And, and it says that he's a brother of James. Well, well, who was James? You know, the Bible teaches us over in Matthew chapter 13, verse 55, and it talks about how James was a half-brother of our Lord. James was a brother of Jesus, a half-brother. They had the same mama, they did not have the same daddy. You understand that? I mean, Jesus, you know, God the Father is his father. And, of course, then there's Joseph and Mary. I'm not Joseph and Mary. Yeah, Joseph and Mary. And they have others, okay? And James is a half-brother of Jesus. But we look and we discover, as you go a little bit further, you also see in Matthew 13, as, as well as in John 7, as well as in 1 Corinthians 15, you'll see that Jude was a brother of James. So Jude is a half-brother of Jesus. But don't you find that interesting? I don't know about you, but if I'm Jude and I'm writing a book, I would say Jude, a slave of Jesus Christ and a brother of Jesus Christ. I mean, I mean, we name drop all the time, don't we? We want people to know that we are somebody, right? I mean, we kind of, hey, I am affiliated here and so-and-so knows me and, and this and that and, and there and, and so be it. James or Jude didn't do that. He is a half-brother of Jesus. But he just says that he's a brother of James. But why is it that Jude didn't even declare who he really was, a brother? Could it be that there was some remorse? Could it be that there was humility? Could it be that there was a tremendous amount of respect and reverence for our God? Because you've got to understand something. Neither Jude nor James were believers in their half-brother, Jesus, when Jesus was doing his ministry here on earth. They kind of looked at him and said, I think, man, he comes from the same mama we come from. And he's claiming to be God. And you discover that when you read in Scripture that James and Jude, neither one believed in Jesus when he was doing his ministry. Oh, he did some, he did some wild things. He did some miracles. But they're like, nah. When did they believe in him? The Scripture teaches us that after the resurrection... You see, when someone's doing all these miracles, you may be able to justify them in some other way or explain them away or write it all up as coincidence. But when they watch you being beat like he was beaten and nailed to the cross like he was nailed to the cross and him declared dead on the cross and then placed him in a tomb and put a guard by the tomb and then three days later the stone was rolled away and and Jesus was not in there, I believe then, the Scripture teaches, that James and Jude being with him it's the day they got saved. Hello? That's the day they realized that, hey, our half-brother is a half-brother. Right? That is the Messiah. So that's Jude. He, he's the author of the book. When was the book written? This is interesting. And you read after a lot of different commentators, and they're kind of debating over when the book was written. But it's somewhere between A.D. 60 and A.D. 80. Between 60 and 80 A.D. is when the book was written. Some have bore down and believe it was written in 66 A.D. But here's the common thread between the book of Jude and another book that talks about the end times, that talks about false prophets, that talks about apostasy, and that's Second Peter. Now, some go to Second Peter and they think, well... If Jude was written before 2 Peter, then Peter borrowed a lot of material from Jude and wrote it in 2 Peter chapter number 2 and 2 Peter chapter number 3. 
Or it could be that Peter wrote before Jude did, and so therefore Jude borrowed some of Peter's writings and, and put it in his writings. Nonetheless, matter of fact, I want you to go there real quick. Man, I can't believe it is already ten till. We may be six weeks in the introduction. <laughs> Second Peter chapter 2. I want you to look at that real quick. Second Peter chapter 2. Now, this is Peter writing. And you're going to see that there's a common commonality, if you will, or a common thread that goes with Second Peter and, and the book of Jude. And you'll find that their time frame in writing was about the same time frame. And they're speaking about the same subject, about the end times, about false doctrine and false teachers and false preachers and... Are you there? Second Peter, I said all that just to give you time to get there. Are you there? Second Peter chapter 2, verse 1. But there were also, get this, there were also false prophets among the people. Just as there will be false teachers among you. Now, now Peter's saying that even today there's false preachers and teachers and false prophets. And, and there's going to be false teachers among you. Man, we look around in our world today and, I mean, you, you turn on the TV and you see these TV evangelist preachers and women and men and this, this false doctrine they carry. And, and people are going to them by the groves and the thousands are flocking to these people. And I'm thinking, why in the world, why would you follow someone like that? False prophets, they're false doctrine. Teacher. You know why? It draws a crowd and makes pretty good cash. Hello? Man, when you're preaching the truth, nobody really wants to hear the truth anymore. Right? There were false prophets among the people, just as there will be false teachers among you. They will, get this, they will secretly bring in destructive heresies. Listen, they're not going to stand up and say, hey, I am a false prophet. Come listen to me preach to you false content. They're not going to do that. They're going to slide it in secretly. They're going to deceive you with their false teaching and their false doctrine, secretly bring in destructive heresies, even denying the master who brought them and will bring swift destruction on themselves. Get this, and verse 2, many will follow their unrestrained ways and the way of truth will be blasphemed because of them. God, there it is. When you look around and you see these false Prophets and teachers, men and women both, standing on platforms all across America and TV shows and lights and books and, I mean, and radio stations and CDs and, and, and material and, and people flocking to them by the groves. And many going, why is that? It's like that because the Bible says that it'll be like that in the end time. Hello? Woo, this is good stuff. I want you to look what they're rejecting though. Verse 2, many will follow. I'm in Second Peter chapter 2, verse 2. Many will follow their unrestrained ways. Get this. And the way of truth will be blasphemed because of them. What's the way of truth? Could it be that Jesus said in John 14, 6, I am the way, the truth, the life. No man comes to the Father except by me. They're rejecting the only true way. They're rejecting the gospel of Jesus Christ. They're rejecting His teaching. And they're going to these false prophets and these false teachers by the groves. Many are going. I said, Preacher, why are you getting all that? Listen, this, I want you to be aware. Listen, it's a lot easier for me to come in here and just kind of preach about heaven. Hey, everybody's good. We're all going to heaven. Let's love each other and let's just go and let's... Man, I've got to stand before God one day. I've got to stand before God one day. 
And I've got to give an account of how I declared what thus saith the Lord and how I unpacked this book. And I don't want to stand before our God and say, God, I couldn't teach that to them. They would not accept the truth. I had to tickle their ears to draw a crowd. No, 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 no. I'm just not going to do that. Hello? Many will follow their unrestrained ways and the way of truth be blasphemed because of them. Get this, verse 3. They will exploit you in their greed with deceptive words. Man, I mean, I've just, I've touched the tip of the iceberg on the introduction for the panoramic view of Jude. And wow! That's the day we're in. Are we paying attention at all? Church? Or are we walking around or, I don't know, I don't know how you walk around like this, but are we just standing around with our head in the sand? Just hoping it gets better. We've got to open our eyes. We've got to pay attention to our ways. Are you with me? The end times, the end days, the last days, false teachers, false doctrines, heresies. Guys, listen, I'm not making any of this up. All I'm doing is reading the Bible. That's really all I'm doing to you. I haven't even injected any of my interpretation of it. I'm just reading it. Man, this is as up-to-date as tomorrow morning's newspaper. Wow. They will exploit you in their greed, verse 3, with deceptive words. Their condemnation pronounced long ago is not idle. Their destruction does not sleep. I've got to stop. Go, go over to chapter 3, verse 3. First, look at this, Second Peter chapter 3, verse 3. Here's another parallel passage. First be aware of this. Scoffers will come in the last days to scoff, living according to their own desires, saying, where is the promise of His coming? Ever since the fathers, that's talking about the forefathers, the patriarchs, ever since the fathers fell asleep, all things continue as they have been since the beginning of creation. Deceptive words. False teachers. False doctrine, it will increase in the end days. And guys, that's where we are today. So what's the date of the writing of the book? Somewhere around 66, 60 to 80, some zero in at 66 A.D. That's nearly 2,000 years ago. Okay, 19, help me out. My math, I looked at Terry, my math teacher. Thousands, almost. Some long time ago. Really? That's where we are today. But who's the author? Jude. The writing of the book parallels with Second Peter. So if, second, if Peter borrowed some of his material from Jude, it's going to be a little later. If, if Jude borrowed some of his material from Peter, it's going to be a little earlier, just vice versa. So it's somewhere in that time frame. They were kind of writing at the same time there, 60 to 80 A.D. Man, i got three minutes. I don't know if I can get this. What's the purpose? I think you already know the purpose. But I think it's important that I, that I reiterate the purpose once again back in Jude. 
Verse 3 and 4. Dear friends, although I was eager to write to you about the salvation we share, I found it necessary to write and exhort you to contend for the faith that was delivered to the saints once for all. For some men have designated for this judgment long ago have come in by stealth. They are ungodly, turning the grace of our God into promiscuity and denying Jesus Christ, our only Master and Lord. The book of Jude, it's a very important book for the day that we live in today. For the year 2012, what is this, November the 14th, 15th, 14th? For this day and age, it's a very important book for the day that we live in. It was written for the end times, and the end times are the end of the church age. It's the church age, it's really the whole end times. But we're in the latter part of the end times of the end times. Guys, this thing's wrapping up. Now, I'm not telling you when Jesus is coming. I don't know when he's coming. But I know it's close. And I know the signs are all around us. What I love about the book of Revelation is that, and, and, and I'll maybe turn around and preach this again one day. But in Revelation chapter 1, 2, and 3, you see the church. The beginning of Revelation chapter 4, the church is called out. And then from the rest of chapter 4, 5, 6, 7, 8, 9, 10, 11, 12, 13, 14, 15, 16, 17, 18, 19, the church is not mentioned. The church comes back in the picture at the end of the book of Revelation and we're around the throne and we're rejoicing with God and then we'll come back with him in the end. That's why I'm a pre-trib. I believe the church will be called out before the tribulation period. Some people worry and fret, are we in the tribulation? Is, is that the Antichrist? Is this the Antichrist? Listen, Peter writes about and he says the spirit of Antichrist is already at work. The spirit of Antichrist has been in effect and at work the entire 2,000 years of the church age. Okay, So it's nothing new for the spirits of Antichrist to be at work. They've always been at work. And people ask, is so-and-so the Antichrist? Is this the Antichrist? Listen, the Antichrist will not be revealed until the church is called out. So you know what? I'll be around the throne. I'll be with our Lord whenever all that stuff's taking place. That's why I don't worry. I don't fret. Hello? The purpose of the writing is to warn us, is to make us aware the, the book of Jude, it's a, it's a book about the great apostasy. It's a book about the turning from the faith. It's a book about Christians living at the latter days of the end of the age, the church age, in the last days, in the last times. Guys, we're there. And like I said earlier, I don't know when Jesus... He, listen, it could be another 250 years. God's timetable is not like our timetable. All right? I don't know when he's coming. But here's what I do, and here's what I do personally, and here's what I encourage you to do. I want you to plan your life like he's never coming. I mean, you've got to plan, right? You've got to plan your life like he's never coming. But you've got to live your life like he's coming immediately, right now, or first thing in the morning, right? Live like he's coming first thing in the morning, but plan like he's never coming. Because I know some people that have lived their whole life thinking, well, Jesus is coming. No sense for me to do anything. I'll just quit everything. I'll just sit here and I'll just wait. No, we're to be working diligently. We're to be planning. We're to be taking care of our families and so forth and so on. i got to stop. It's 8.01, okay? The purpose. Jude is a very small book, but I believe it's very important for every single one of us to get a grasp of this book. What an exciting book. I had about six or seven more points I wanted to go through with you on this panoramic view. And I'll pick back up here next week. And we'll just kind of take our time. And let's just go through this book. And let's kind of unpack it. And let's just not be in a hurry. And, and, uh, and let's go through this together. In the meantime, I want you to read it. I want you to study it. 
I want you to run some references. Get you a good reference Bible or a good computer software program. Logos Bible Software is a tremendous Bible software program you can get. You can download the, the initial program for free and log into that and follow along on our slideshows in here. And someone has asked me, do you get a kickback from Logos? No, I don't get a thing. But I know it's helped me in my Bible study. And I just want to get you turned on to it so it can help you in your Bible study and, uh, and dig it out. Okay? All right, then. Well, i got to stop. Let me pray. Father, thank you for our time together, and thank you for your word and how it comes alive, and it's vibrant in our hearts and our spirits, our souls, and it's relevant for our day. And, and Lord, I just pray that you would give us an understanding heart, open our eyes, open our ears, help us to see what's taking place in these end days, the latter days of the church age. We ask your blessings on each one that's here. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Well, thank you for joining us for this message from the Word of God. We know that the truth you have just heard will change your life if you believe it and intentionally apply it. If you need someone to pray with or maybe you just want someone to talk to, please call us at 618-622-9360. That's 618-622-9360. Or you can email us at victory at victorychurchonline.net. If you're interested in obtaining more teaching materials, or if you'd like to partner with us in this ministry, please contact us. You can email or call, or send a request to 715 Lake Point Center, Suite 109, O'Fallon, Illinois, 62269. Come and check us out on the web at www.victorychurchonline.net. And again, we thank you and are glad you could join us.